Mel Brooks once said, Tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. This is Save vs. Rant. Welcome to Save vs. Rant, the Everyman Gaming Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Jeremy. And today we are talking about... One of the worst modules that I can ever remember thinking about, reading about, and finding. Castle Greyhawk. Castle Greyhawk is a a World of Greyhawk adventure. I don't even know where to begin. Um, This is a module that is supposed to be chronicling the most famous adventure destination in the world of Greyhawk. Castle Greyhawk and the Mega Dungeon beneath it. I think really the only way to do this module justice is to just go through it level by level and explain to you what it is that one will find in the module Castle Greyhawk, which is is an official Greyhawk adventure set in the world of Greyhawk, with the implication that it can even be tied into other Greyhawk modules. Do not tie this into other Greyhawk modules, DMs. Never tie this into other Greyhawk modules. So before we get started, I do want to talk a little bit about a Kickstarter that I saw recently. So a little while back, John and I reviewed Dungeon in a Box. I was less than kind to that product, but the thing that John and I both agree about at this point is that the minis in it are amazing. They are fire. Those minis are great. Well, currently on Kickstarter is the, uh, is the campaign Skinny Minis run by Dungeon in a Box. It is these little acrylic two-sided miniatures that are absolutely amazing. If they sound cool to you, check them out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to back it. They kind of have the consistency of a shrinky dink in an unshrunken shrinky dink size, but without the implied fragility one feels when one holds a shrinky dink. And, I mean, it's not like there's going to be any other miniatures kickstarters up that right... Oh, Bones 5. Because I don't deserve money. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's dive into this dungeon. Okay, okay, so the history of this dungeon, you should know, is that Greyhawk is Gary Gygax's personal setting. Gary Gygax being one of the co-inventors of D&D, basically the guy who invented role-playing games. And this module was made with uh, what appears to be uh, zero input from him, including some of his characters and ideas, but otherwise having very little, if anything, to do with Gary Gygax himself. The module was published in 1988 and is a 12-level mega dungeon. Each of the levels was assigned to a freelancer, and so each freelancer had their own reign over each level. So there's no continuity between each of the different levels. Also, in 1988, Gary Gygax left TSR because of... Uh, he had a big falling out with the, the higher-ups about who actually owned TSR. And so he left, and then this module came out, and it kind of feels like a slap in the face. I think, personally, there is an intentional dig on Gary Gygax that the module contains material that unquestionably is intended to be like, oh, look at Gary now, and I think it's pretty mean-spirited in that respect. So, to review our thoughts so far, uh, this is a module with no real cohesion. It's kind of a slap in the face to the guy who literally invented the game, 
It uses a bunch of his personal material for no reason other than the name recognition, and it allegedly ties in with the setting that it definitely, definitely does not tie in with. So let's get started. At the very beginning, they have the section called What's Happening Now at Castle Greyhawk. Which is deceptively good, by the way. This section is actually quite playable. It has a list of NPCs, a table of random NPC reactions, a table of random weather, and it has the whole castle that's above ground mapped out, and it's it's pretty decent. You, you meet some NPCs that are decently nice. There's a tavern here. There's a potion shop. There's basically everything that you could want if you were going to make constant forays into the dungeon. If you played the original wizardry game or the Bard's Tale or any adventure game like that from the very old era of adventure games, they went with the same sort of theme, this having a city as a safe haven above the mega dungeon that is the theme of the game. And that's sort of what's going on here. And it does a pretty good job of that as well. There's a lot of things here and basically any resource you could want is available somewhere. There's a guy who enchants stuff. There's an herb seller. There's a person who sells magic items. There's scribes who can translate material for you if you have something that's in a language you don't speak. I mean, all of these things are available here. All right, so this seems like a really good launching point for a number of deep delves into this massive dungeon. So let's see, the first level is, that's a little silly, There's has kind of a joke title, Against the Little Guys. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pretty normal dungeon crawl for the most part. I guess some of the complaints I have about it is that it's intended as a monster zoo. That's what this section is created for. Oh, you see one of the overarching meta plots of this dungeon is that random monsters appear throughout the dungeon. Random monsters are nothing unusual for a D&D game. Well, actually, what you're thinking of is wandering monsters, probably, which would be monsters that just appear at arbitrary points throughout it as random encounters. These are random monsters. They are amalgamations of different random monster parts rolled up on a table that just gives them different monster parts. And these are interspersed with the much more cohesive inhabitants of this dungeon. This level is a monster zoo that is being built by some dude named Zondo the Great, uh, a bit of a minor magician, and he's got a uh, he's got an annoying little scamp named Cullum who is supposed to help him accomplish this by recruiting adventures, and he's an obnoxious commoner kid who's meant to be sort of an Oliver Twist character. That Oh, it even says to play him with the Cockney accent. Oh yeah, Govna. Oh, we're going to go down into the dungeon and find me parents. Yeah, it's, it's obnoxious, and it is definitely not something we need. But he has a pretty good understanding of the dungeon and can act as a bit of a dungeon guide and blah, blah, blah. All right, so uh, this looks fairly typical. And I'm sorry, horizontal jet-propelled piercers? Yeah, yeah, they're like they're like the Indiana Jones-style arrow traps that just shoot out of the wall, but creatures, and they're stalactite-shaped. Uh, Slagmite-shaped? What do you call stalagmites that go sideways? Jet-propelled piercers, I believe. Yeah, well, there we go. So... And here we hit on probably the biggest issue that Castle Greyhawk has. It's a comedy module. And not just that, it's a bad comedy module. And it's 
12 levels of bad comedy module. That's my entire problem with that. So anyway, there's like 24 horizontal jet-propelled piercers. Oh, another theme of this module is absurd amounts of very low-level monsters. Uh, Back at the upper level of Greyhawk Castle, occasionally, like, different emergencies might occur in the castle. Like, a jelly might get loose somewhere, or a few wandering monsters from the basement might come up. Or... A hundred mini onions, it's a minion joke, uh, somehow preceding the minions that appeared in Despicable Me. Wait a minute, maybe that was cribbed from Castle Greyhawk, which would be why it's the most obnoxious, unlikable. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, so a hundred mini onions, and they're these tiny, weak monsters, but there's a hundred of them. How obnoxious is that? Now, remember, this is second edition D&D. Combat rounds were one minute long, and... uh, You only usually made one or two attacks per round, so it's going to take you a long time to cut through those mini onions. I mean, at best, if you have a fighter with the sweep ability, and he has a polearm, you're killing 15 mini onions per turn. Probably at max. Well, if you're high enough level to have fireball, then you can have some sautéed mini onions. Which, now I'm really hungry. Alright, let's go to the next level, and the next level is called It's My Party and I'll Die If I Want To. I get it. No, 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 no. You, you get it? Because this level has a whole party of, uh, a whole party that's going on. And so you're supposed to attend this party. But if you don't do everything right, you might die. You get it? That's the joke. You get it? Yes, I understand the joke. No, no. Do you get it? Yes, I understand the joke. So one thing about this level is that it does have a few bits of fairly funny stuff that would actually be great in a module that wasn't just this relentless crappy comedy uh one great example is there is a golem on this level who's been created specifically to serve hors d'oeuvres which i i can see that being done in the context of a DD game or something except he believes that he needs to serve an hors d'oeuvre to each and every guest and every guest should accept an hors d'oeuvre and he believes every living creature he encounters is a guest And on top of that, the golem only says the word hors d'oeuvres over and over and over. So if the player characters don't accept these monster hors d'oeuvres, which I believe are stuffed mouse heads, which sound absolutely vile, you have to take them. You don't have to eat them. But if you don't take them, the golem just keeps following you around. It doesn't attack or anything. It's just very insistent that you take an hors d'oeuvre. And the only thing it can do to try to get you to take an hors d'oeuvre is to present it and say with more force or, or with a pleading tone, Hors d'oeuvres? Hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. Just trying to get you to take the hors d'oeuvre it knows you have to take. That's funny. In this module, that's not funny because it's surrounded by a bunch of other unfunny stuff that's trying really hard to be funny. And that's inherently not funny. The rest of this level is mostly just goblins, bugbears, other goblin kin... A headless mouse horde? Yeah, it's another one of those gigantic hordes of monsters. You see, they they cut the heads off the mice to make the hors d'oeuvres, but they use animate dead to make the bodies run to dispose of themselves. But uh, apparently they just run around randomly. So there's a hundred of them, and they only have one hit point, and one hit die, and do one damage, and have an armor class of ten, which in D&D... Every edition, actually, now that I think of it, armor class of 10 is a bad armor class, but for different reasons. High numbers are bad in second edition, and this is second edition. So these are completely 
easy to defeat monsters, but once again, there's a hundred of them, and that's annoying. Uh, another thing is, it's kind of a subversion of the expectations of a Greyhawk campaign, because there's a bunch of bugbears here, and they have babies, and a nursery, and doting maternal mothers. If you know bugbear society, they're supposed to be vicious cannibals who have this rancidly patriarchal society that's rotten to the core. So, oh, look, we subverted that. That's exciting, right? Man, I I can't even work myself up about this anymore. I've read this so many times now that I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't deserve this. (laughs) So, anyway. The next level is Too Many Cooks. Too Many Cooks. Oh, man. Let's see. Too Many Cooks. Oh, sorry. (laughs) What all do we have on this level? We have... Oh, no. I hate it. I hate it. Okay, so this level, this level... Poppin' Farsh the Dough Golem. Yeah, yeah. This level is about three chefs who've been imprisoned in the lower levels of Castle Greyhawk for their disastrous cooking, which was so bad that it apparently uh, injured a large number of guests at Castle Greyhawk. There's a chef, a baker, and a candy maker down here. And, uh, and a mind... Filayer, like he fillets mines. He's a mind flayer, but he's yes, I understand the joke. Oh, no, 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 no! You don't get it. You don't get it. You see, everything down here in this level is food based. There are licorice snakes because licorice kind of looks like a snake. You get it? I understand the joke. Yes. Oh, there's a mithril bread knife because they made bread so hard that it was inedible. You get it? It can cut through it. You get it? It's the joke. Do you get it? Yeah. Yes, I understand. Actually, the mithril bread knife is. This is pretty cool. Like, the whole thing is that they were warned that if they made bread that was too tough to cut, they would be executed. So they convinced one of the wizards to help them make a mithril knife that could always cut through any sort of bread or pastry with ease, thus never making bread too hard to cut. That's kind of a funny, over-the-top solution to the problem, and not only is it a mithril knife, it is a dagger plus six that does double damage to any food-based monster. I guess that's vaguely amusing to me, and maybe it's because I'm brain damaged from having read this module, but here I am being vaguely amused by this. Another thing about this level is it's got a bunch of candy-based monsters like gummy werebears and the aforementioned licorice snakes. What that reminds me of is in the 90s when I got Dragon Magazine, there was one issue for the April Fool's issue that had monster profiles for all of these monsters that were based on candies that players might leave on the table, you know, things like that. So you had like uh, gelatinous cubes that were Jolly Ranchers that were sticky instead of absorbing you and things like that. It was actually a pretty funny article. This is not funny, though. This is this is mostly crap. There's also a bread pudding. Oh, geez. And the boss is a... <sighs> Giant gingerbread man. I get the joke. It's not funny. Neck. Uh, oh, one last thing. You can actually be smothered by flapjacks on this level. They, they have a giant griddle where they make flapjacks. And if they land on you, they can just smother you, which kills you with no saving throw. Because why not? Next level. There's no place like up. This level's a little weird. It's got like a reverse gravity thing going on. And it has like all these charts and elaborate things to explain to you how that works with like reverse flying buttresses 
and cathedrals and stuff like that. And honestly, all of it's really confusing. But the point is, you're searching for the secret tome of inestimable knowledges. There's a few decent little jokes here. You can fight Miss Gulch, who is... It's the Wicked Witch of the West. Which is kind of cool. She scared me as a child, so that's awesome. There's a elevator, so cool, fun, and a stairway to heaven. Oh, and you have to buy the stairway to heaven. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta pay in silver pieces and all that. It's, uh, I understand the joke. But hey, you know, at least, uh, at least there's a, a magic item, a, a tome of uh, of knowledge. You said. Yeah, yeah, a secret tome of knowledge. Wait, you, you just said Tom of Knowledge. Yes, a Tom of Knowledge. You know, a Tomcat. It's uh, when you open the place where the Tome of Knowledge is supposed to be, the Tom of Knowledge steps out. It's a uh, gem-encrusted animated magical construct in the form of a normal-sized male house cat that wisecracks and gives you advice. This kind of reminds me of the gem-encrusted golem uh, story from Gygax's original Castle Greyhawk. Player characters saw a gem-encrusted golem, wanted to fight it and kill it. The thing ran away. They never found it again. Ugh. Anyway. Level 5, the name of the game. Just so you know, this is a horrible pop culture reference level. And on top of that, it's basically about a group of wizards that wanted to play D&D in D&D, but got bored with it and decided to make a giant uh, level full of monsters that would be weird and fight. All you need to know about this level is everything in here is a pop culture reference. Oh, let's list some of them off just so everyone else can suffer with us. There's the Amazing Drider Man, the Inedible Bulk, Da Ting, the Non-Human Scorch. Oh, there's Elfin John, Indiana Gnome. There is Captain Cork, there is Mies Terspark, and their Skeletal Cleric Bones. Bugbear with buck teeth, you know, uh, Bugs Bear Bunny, Daffy Dow, Porky Orc. I mean, it's Bullwinkle the Stench Cow and Roddy the Giant Flying Black Carnivorous Squirrel. I don't deserve this, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't deserve this. John, you don't need to lie to the audience. At this specific moment in time, I have not done anything particular in the last 10 or 15 minutes to deserve this specifically. That's fair. The next level, the Temple of Really Bad Dead Things. Yeah, they're really bad and they're dead. Okay, so this is a parody of the fact that dungeon crawls through undead areas are bland-flavored bland. Because this is a temple dedicated to the god... Genericus Brant, the universally bland. I understand the joke. Do you? Do you get it, though? Because he's bland, and this area is bland, and there's all sorts of zombies and vampires and ghasts and wraiths, because that's just a whole menagerie of undead, really bad dead things. Do you get it? I understand the joke. Uh, let, let, I'm just going to skip to the end of this section. What What's the boss of this section? Hack and Slash. Slash is a, a giant thing of Bigby's hands. Yep, yep, a heavily animated pile of Bigby's hands. And Hack is the uh, writer of the module. Oh my god, I think my brain is literally trying to attempt to escape through my nose. He's a very short, silly-looking man 
who's cramped in a tiny space where he is constantly trying to write his magnum opus, The Temple of Really Bad Dead Things, which is the adventure you're playing right now. And uh, if you try to give him trouble, he'll just write you out of the adventure, which makes you disappear with a poof, like, gone. Also, he's attempted to write other works, but they've all been derivative, such as his rejected manuscript, Sparrowloft. It's a Ravenloft joke. Oh. Next level. The Queen of Honey Beehive. Okay, let's... This level actually... We, we were talking about this. This level kind of leans into bee jokes. It's just endless bee jokes. And in that respect, it actually does a pretty good job. It's constantly just all of these bee men. Uh, there's... Honey bears. Mm-hmm. There's... There's a uh, Cheerio, which is somehow a combination of the Cheerio B and Captain EO, the Michael Jackson ride from Universal Studios. Oh, Epcot. It was Epcot, wasn't it? Oh. Let's see. The bad guys include Sting, Buzzy Aldrin, Stephen Biko, Big B, Ant B, BB King. And there's a room that is Beam Me Up. Because B. Uh, also, if you make a Star Trek joke in that room, you get 5,000 experience because you're a Star Trek fan. Woo! Yay for the Venn diagram crossover of nerd culture because we've always kind of celebrated that. And I'd like to imagine that this is a good thing, but in this module, please, no. Oh, um, almost forgot. We got to mention the room that lets the party make it to the next set of rooms, which is a game show run by Egg, Master of Ceremonies, who is in egg-shaped gentleman hired to amuse the uh, bees. Um, he also has a audience of 300 spectators, which are a type of beholder, uh, the smallest type, actually. I understand the joke. They are spectators. Watch, they're live audience watching this game show. They're spectators. So you get it. Yeah. Okay, th- those jokes are, are really lame. Just too many bee jokes. The, the next level has to have some better jokes. It's of kings and colonels. <laughs> This is not going to have better jokes, I'll tell you that. Because this is about the battle between Colonel Sandpaper and King Burger. Oh my god, what is happening? What is even happening? Look at the map on in this section, though. It's a nice map. I was, this is, I've been saying this. Everything about these maps are actually pretty spectacular. It's embarrassing that they're in such a bad module, but here we are. Uh, the only thing about this map that's a giveaway that it's dumb is that there's a Palace of King Burger written on it. But other than that, these are like classic adventure maps with a classic adventure look, and they look phenomenal. Everything about this map screams playable adventure to me. Which is why I think I would be extremely disappointed because I remember back in the day, one of the things that would make me interested in a module is I'd look at the maps and see if they looked like they had interesting dynamic environments. And if they did, that would automatically make me interested. This this is a really bait and switch in that respect. Oh, and uh, General Public runs this whole place. He's the person behind Colonel Sanders. You get it because the General Public is who you're trying to serve at a restaurant. I understand the joke. All right, next level. You know, I'm not even really going to talk about vices and virtues. Uh, what I am going to talk about is I enjoy bad movies. But when I talk about bad movies, there, there's a hierarchy. There's enjoyably bad. The, the type of movies where people actually had, uh, like, volition. They were trying to make a good movie. They had a lot of gumption. They they really wanted to do that. Below that, there's people that have the, their tongue firmly planted in their cheek. They know what they're making is bad, but they're still having fun and joking about it. 
Below that are movies that are unnecessary. It's zombie movie X-15, whatever. No one cares. You're not going to reinvent the zombie genre with zombies that run. Ooh, yay. And below that, below all of that, are movies that are boring. If I'm bored while watching a movie, that is the worst of the worst. Everything else I can be entertained by. I hate being bored. And Vices and Virtues is a boring section. Yeah, it's it's kind of about demons and love, and it really doesn't do anything that interesting. And God help you, there's a lot of bad poetry in this section that you are intended to read out loud. Also, this is the level where you are first forced to fight an actual demon prince, because at this point the player character should be very powerful and ready to battle demon princes. Also, there's an ancient red dragon here, because why not, and a death knight like Lord Soth, because again, why not, let's do this. But hey, the player characters are super high level, the, the next level will have to you know, really be throwing awesome, cool combats at them. Level 10, Fluffy goes down the drain. Yeah, uh, this level you are called upon to assist a little girl whose doggy accidentally got flushed down the drain because she was giving it a bath in the pond instead of the bathtub and the pond gets drained periodically because dogs don't take baths in the bathtub like people. Okay, so kind of the joke here is that Penny, the character here, is this is a subversion because only very low-level adventurers would be like, we'll save your puppy. And your goal is, in fact, to, you know, save the puppy. Um, but the payoff is that all of the monsters here are extremely powerful. I mean, some of them are really dumb. There's an olive and pimento slime, crystal light ooze, chocolate fudge pudding. But this is actually filled with truly dangerous monsters. And the end of the whole thing is the battle with the demon lord slash minor god Jubilex, the god of scum and grossness and sewers. Yeah, that's that's a whole thing. It's very weird, and uh, it's intended to be a little bit of a gross out because it's you know taking place down the drain where pets have been flushed. The next level is Mordenkainen's movie Madness. Now, this whole level, the Archmage Mordenkainen has gone off to real-world Earth and is over there making B-movies. He films them here in the, in the basement of Castle Greyhawk, and he's using real magic and real monsters to film his B-movies. And if anyone has a thought that this module wasn't intentionally going after Gary Gygax, this level really ends that argument. Mordenkainen is going off and stop it is no longer being a grand archmage but is instead being a movie director at the time gary gygax had gone to california to try and set up the tsr tv studio gygax made morninkainen gygax made castle greyhawk originally and reducing it all to one lame egotistical director joke is kind of i mean the trask makes a cameo in one of the movies if you disturb the trask he kills you Yay. Yup, and uh, all of the characters in Mordenkainen's movie, Bafo, Vebvenena, the Weasel, and Bujorno, are all a bold, hearty X who often relies on their Y 
to solve their problem. It's kind of a dig on his entire style of everything, and again, very mean-spirited. Not not a affectionate parody at all, but thankfully we are now at the final level of this dungeon, level 12. Where the random monsters roam. Alright, so this has to be big climatic, uh, big climactic battle, huge cinematic sets, wonderful... It's a gnome illusionist. A gnome illusionist is behind this whole thing. You see Voyo, a aspiring chaotic good magician, finished his adventuring career and eventually became an extremely powerful 40th level character. That's 23rd level wizard, 13th level master thief, 27th level illusionist, and decided that he was going to retire in the basement of Castle Greyhawk, where he created the random monster generator, which he can control to generate monsters that would help him dig out the basement and create for himself a little luxury suite. And then he just set it to randomize and went and watched TV. Oh my god, this is such an anti-climax to such an awful module. Uh, the best part is that you don't ever have to fight him. Because your entire goal is to map the basement of this dungeon, if you get to his chamber and just are generally congenial to him, and why would you attack the gnome for no reason, uh, he'll just show you the tapestry that has the uh, map of the dungeon as well as a map of Greyhawk that, I guess, changes with events that occur in Greyhawk and therefore can be used to seed further adventures in the world of Greyhawk because your players are going to totally want to play with you more after this. No, no, no. And then the last part is just wandering monsters and the random monster generator. And it's a whole thing that explains how the random monster generator works and gives some final notes on how to use it. And there's nothing more to this. That is the entirety of the Castle Greyhawk module. So let's give our final thoughts on this. I'd like to start out by saying that that a lot of the material is redeemable in this module if you want to ding in a latrine for diamonds because this module is bad. It really does not look fun. I would be annoyed as heck by the time I was on the third level and I don't think I would ever possibly make it past the sixth level to, to play the rest of this. I think if my DM got me to the sixth level, I'd find someone else to play with. I'd start making excuses, coming down with the flu every game night. I would not show up for this. But... What I will say is that there is a lot of material in here that can work, that you can use, and that is interesting. And it illustrates something that I feel is very important, and that's that humor works best in moderation. No one wants to play an endlessly humorous module. It can't be unrelentingly bad humor throughout the whole thing. That's untenable. That position can't be meaningfully maintained. Bad jokes are okay. Bad jokes can be great. We have a very close friend who is constantly making puns. He has pun privileges in our group. No one else is allowed to make that many puns. But he can do it because having him around to make those puns accentuates any other conversation by default. Because the puns show up with the right frequency to keep things interesting. In a way, they wouldn't be interesting without the puns. My final thoughts... John, I'm sorry that I made you read through this. I'm sorry you did as well. Oh, this was unpleasant, and I am upset that this ever got published. Moreover, this was the first time that players could actually play in Castle Greyhawk. They amended it later with Greyhawk Ruins, which was the actual uh, floor plan of Castle Greyhawk, but by that point, the damage was done. Yeah, this is a really bad module. It's unpleasant to read. It'd be more unpleasant to play. And everything about it is just not useful. The major problem with it is that 
it tries to be unrelentingly humorous and nothing can pull that off in this way because the humor is such niche BS that there's no way to put it together. And it's so disorganized. There's so much going on here. Any of these levels could be used in part as accentuation on an otherwise serious game. You know, I had a friend who used to run superhero games all the time. And when he ran his superhero games, he would do them in the style of like the gritty 90s. Remember, we were talking about the Iron Age of of superhero stuff. That's the sort of games he would run, is these Iron Heroes sort of dark and grittiness. And he would always do one long story that was like that Iron Age grittiness. And then the next story they did, which would only be one or two sessions at the most, would be Silver Age wackiness. Some sort of like, you know, Jimmy Olsen was kidnapped by ninjas. Or uh, we have to save Santa Claus or Christmas will be ruined. You know, in the exact same saying with the exact same characters. And that created a sort of relief from the constant burden of an adventure that literally comes down to you can save your aunt's life or the city not both you know things like that that's when this sort of humor could be useful and another example of this humor coming up is like barrier peak uh the barrier peak module or the uh adventure land module oh dungeon land i love dungeon land yeah, it's it's an affectionate parody of Alice in Wonderland, and it's done in such a way that it doesn't slam everything into your face. It lets you pick up on the humor of it. It creates an atmosphere that has this sort of pun parody stuff going on, but lets you be like, oh, look at this, look at the And it's a module that's not 12 dungeon levels of this sort of garbage that just never freaking ends you know what DD desperately needs these days i think casual games because the whole point of the mega dungeon format was to allow players to drop in and drop out because everyone wants to explore the mega dungeon and you just you know go down to wherever is open to exploration at the time explore a bit and then head back up it made for a good casual game of catch versus an organized softball league which is how most adventure parties work So let's see, what do we have up next? Every year here at Save vs. Rant, John and I compile a list of useful advice that we want to give out to DMs. And up next we have our DMing 103, which is a new list of things we want to let DMs know about. All right, so I'm looking forward to that. DMing 103 on our next episode. This has been Save vs. Rant. Thank you very much for listening. Most comedy is based on getting a laugh at someone else's expense, and I find that's just a form of bullying in a major way. So I want to be an example that you can be funny and be kind and make people laugh without hurting somebody else's feelings. Ellen DeGeneres Save vs. Rant is a Tabletop Gamers Guild production. Your hosts are John and Jeremy, with music by Timmy Skittles. New episodes are released on the first and third Monday of each month. Save vs. Rant is recorded on dueling laptops in front of a silent and invisible studio audience. Visit us at SaveVsRant.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter at Save vs. Rant. We'd love to hear from you.